Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry to help you do church better. I'm your co-host, John Ronaldo, and I'm joined here with Chris Wesley, who just got back from an event in the Midwest. What's up, man? Welcome back. Thank you very much, John. It is good to be back on this side of the Appalachian Mountains. You know, it wasn't that far into the Midwest. It was uh, Eastern Ohio, but uh, no, it was good. It was good. I uh, attended the Voice and Vision Conference that was hosted by the National Dialogue in Franciscan University out in Steubenville this past week. And uh, yeah, just processing a lot going on. And, um, you know, John and I were going to talk about something else, but then he was asking about it because I know he uh, he missed the opportunity to go to Eastern Ohio. Um, and uh, yeah, we decided let's let's tackle voice and vision. Let's 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 unpack that conference and see what was learned and maybe what was hit and what was missed. Yeah, well, it was quite an event. I mean, for those of you who who saw any of the advertisement, there was a large array of of speakers and panelists that were part of this dialogue, and a lot of names that we know that we're familiar with that that find themselves on the national scene speaking at different conferences and whatnot. Um, you know, and so it was kind of a big deal. And and of course, what was the purpose, Chris? I mean, because I know yeah. it's about Pope Francis's post-synodal document on young people and vocations and and discernment. But what was the purpose of that event? Yeah. So, um, like you said, it was focused on um, Christus Vivit and uh, basically an opportunity to break that open a little bit more. And when we got there, uh, the thing that they said is they were hoping that when the conference was over that we were able to walk away with some tangible ideas that we could start implementing um, at the diocesan and parish and just throughout the church, you know, just ways that, that we can uh, continue to do what uh, has been revealed in the synod and, and um, in Christus Vivit, which is to engage young people, to accompany them, to walk with them and get to know them. And which was a lofty task, which was a lofty task. Um, and uh, I think and this is kind of my summation of the conference in a, in a way. It was a lofty task and it proved to be a lofty task because I don't know if we walked away doing that at all. Um, and, and as you mentioned, John, it, it was interesting because a, um, a lot of heavy hitters, a lot of really brilliant men and women were there, men and women we've had on our podcast like, uh, you know, Robert Fiducia, he was there and Katie McGrady and, you know, um, Paul Jarzembowski and everything. And and not just, uh, they weren't all presenting. Uh, they were there to participate just like I was, you know. Um, uh, so just really um, good to to see them and, and to process the experience with them. And, you know, we had a couple of bishops and cardinals who were there who, who mainly gave the keynote, you know, mainly... Um, uh, presented uh, on the post-sidal document and broke down a little bit of what they were experiencing. And I would have to say that was actually the big takeaway take for me. The big takeaway for me is as a youth minister, as someone who works in a local church, it was really nice to hear how our bishops, our cardinals, our leadership were processing this document, right? Because I've read articles about what they've said or I've seen videos, but to, to be there in a room and to hear how... Um, they read uh, the document, how they experienced the, um, the synod in itself and, and what they were taking away from it gave me language so that if I'm ever at a table with them to discuss it, like I feel like we can be on the same page, right? And so what I heard them say is that um, what we need to do is we need to be better listeners. 
which is true, right? And, and I, I don't, for some people, I think when they hear that, they're like, well, no duh, right? Like we, we have to be better listeners, but we have to be better listeners and listen to young people. We have to know our audience. We have to understand our mission field, right? We have to know who we're trying to reach and what's going on in their life. And then the second thing that they were talking about is, you know, basically what we can gain and get from, from, you know, accompanying and walking with and listening to young people. And, and uh, those are like the grace of youthfulness, um, you know, the grace of service and, and just how, when we are a church that embraces the next generation and become truly intergenerational, that's going to have an impact on what we do. So there was a lot of like what they learned and why, engaging the next generation was important. And probably what I would like for us to jump into is where they lacked, which is they didn't talk much about how to do that, right? So, um, you know, if you were attending, uh, you know, I, I would love to hear anyone who was attending their experience and their thoughts. Um, but I, yeah, I think, um, I think for the most part, it was great to hear what the bishops and cardinals thought. Um, and to be frank and a little blunt, that's it, you know. Yeah, yeah. What? Uh, what? Tell me a little bit about the the schedule and the format and who was there. What was? How was the schedule put together? And 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 kind of how did they move the participants through the event? Just to kind of give everybody a little bit of background before yeah. we get into a little bit more yeah. meat. Yeah. No. 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 So we got there. Um, it started Wednesday night and ran into Thursday afternoon. And um, you know, pretty much before each session, every day there was mass. Um, Wednesday night there was adoration. Um, but essentially, uh, the first uh, night we got there, um, there was an opening mass, and then um, uh, Bishop Cepeda came up and he he spoke about Enquentro and its relationship with uh, the synod document. Uh, with the synod and the post synodal document. Um, and uh, he, um, you know, he, he kind of set the tone. And then um, it was hosted, as I mentioned, by the National Dialogue, which is run by, um, you know, the USCCB and, um, and then also by Franciscan University. So our MCs were Paul Jarzembowski and uh, Dr. Bob Rice uh, from Franciscan University. And people who aren't familiar with the show or familiar with Paul. Paul is, I think, the assistant director of young adult ministry for the USCCB. So they kind of like led the, the whole conference through. So we had um, mass, Bishop Cepeda spoke, um, and then we had a panel. And the panel um, had a group of experts uh, in ministry, um, a whole variety. And, you know, honestly, I can't remember who was on which panel, but um, these were people who represented uh, you know, campus ministry, the federation, USCCB, uh, you know, researchers, uh, university professors, uh, speakers, um, a lot of great and talented people. And so we would have a panel and then the next, um, and then the next uh, day, the um, Thursday, which was the only full day, um, we did that again. We had mass in the morning. We had um, uh, Cardinal uh, Supic uh, from Chicago and uh, a panel um, and then in the afternoon, uh, we had something where we did, we, where we actually got into a dialogue and in that dialogue, um, we took different areas like you, uh, middle school, youth ministry, high school, youth ministry, family, um, you know, uh, uh, teens on the fringes, hurting teens, you know, different things like that. And we broke into these groups and in these discussion groups, we were supposed to develop, um, 
you know, what we thought was one idea that could reach that, that group, reach that um, target audience. And then uh, through the process, we were supposed to not only come up with that one idea, but develop it a little bit, you know, talk about the obstacles, talk about tangible ways that we could, um, uh, you know, tackle that, 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 that situation. And then we were presenting that on Friday morning. Um, and then later that evening, you know, we had another panel um, and, um, and then we had adoration and adoration was beautiful. Um, and then Friday morning, um, again, uh, we had uh, mass, we had uh, a panel and we had um, Bishop Caggiano who wrapped the thing up and, and he was excellent. He spoke about guardrails and, um, you know, how we, we can't let this next generation down, how we can't let the church down um, and everything. So that was kind of the format and, and flow of the week. Good. Yeah. One of the things that they put in the advertising for this event is that we are looking for participants, not attendees, right? So the idea that that it is going to be a dialogue and there's going to be some conversation about it. And what was really interesting, and we'll link to this in the show notes uh, for this show, but they had a, a long a pre-conference document that was over 60 pages long that had uh, quite a few different articles talking about language, talk about what discipleship, new wine into new wineskins. I'm just taking a couple of the, 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 uh, the titles off the top of the art of a personal accompaniment, youth ministry and watering down theology. So there's all these, basically it was a very long white paper, right? With lots of different articles, you know, that kind of set this up. And, and I presume Chris, that the expectation was that this particular document, again, we'll link to it and we'll put it in the show notes. So just go to the churchpodcast.org, episode 93, and you'll see it right there. Um, but was the intention for everybody to have read this document beforehand? And then how did they pick up from any of these articles uh, is, as part of the conference? Because they're intriguing articles. I know I'm going to be delving into them a little bit more. Yeah, the articles were well written, um, and the intention was that you read them ahead of time. And some of the uh, authors were panelists, um, you know, at the conference. But like, it, it's funny that you mentioned that they weren't looking for participants; uh, they were looking for participants and not, you know, just attendees. attendees. Uh, because you could have fooled me, um, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I, like John knows, I'm holding back a lot of emotion <laughs> on this. <laughs> This is fresh on your mind because you literally just got back from that this past weekend. Well, because, I mean, you and I know this. Like, if there's one thing that you don't want to waste of someone, it's their time. It's their time and their value, right? And, um, you know, if I only had to drive four and a half hours to get to this conference, there were people who flew clear across the country to be there. And, um, you know, my back is sore from sitting so much. And, um, you know, during the panel, they opened it up to questions, but the panelists did so much talking that there really wasn't room for dialogue. And when you have a room of like a couple hundred people, like 200 people and everything like that, you can't really have a true dialogue um, in that sense. I mean, the best part in regards to dialogue were really when we were having meals and when we were in those breakout groups, because when you're having meals, you know, then that's when you're, you're breaking down all those things and discussing them. But there was no platform really for me as an attendee to really, um, at least I didn't feel like there was an opportunity for me to contribute to the conversation. The other thing that I thought was really interesting is those art- the, the articles, the, the white paper that was um, 
distributed to all the attendees was really good, really valuable. But there was a, one voice that I thought was lacking and a huge voice that was lacking. And that was um, that of people in lay ecclesial ministry in the local parish setting. Um, because as far as I know, there, there's maybe one panelist who is currently engaged in parish ministry. The rest of them, um, if they were involved in parish ministry, it's as a volunteer or in a different capacity, but they had roles in, you know, higher level leadership or diocesan roles or, you know, you know, speakers along that. Regardless, none of the panelists that I heard um, spoke about their personal ministry experience, you know, and, and John, you and I, like, we're looking at the list of people and, you know, I was sharing with you some of the people who are up there and we know that they've served in youth ministry or DREs or, you know, director of evangelizations. And they didn't speak about their personal parish experience. They spoke about family relationships. They spoke about research. They spoke about clients. But there was, that was one thing that was lacking. And, you know, taking off my Marathon Youth Ministry hat and putting on my, you know, St. Joseph's of Cockeysville Youth Ministry hat, I felt kind of like, what's there for me? What am I learning that I don't already know? Or how do I contribute? Or how do I engage in that? And, you know, so for me, um, I felt that was one thing that lacked. And, and that's something that I think in regards to conferences in general um, that lacks is a lot of in the trench practicum, practical experience. And one of the reasons why we've done this podcast, right, is because, you know, you and I want to give practical advice, practical experience to help people do ministry better, you know, and, uh, and that was something that was lacking from this conference, uh, which was disappointing. Yeah. And I think you, you mentioned earlier about the lofty goals uh, uh, of this conference and, and trying to meet those high expectations. And, and that's just that, you know, you've done conference planning, Chris, I've done conference planning, you know, and it, and we know how difficult it is to create a conference that really meets the needs of our participants and gets them to come back. Uh, you know, and I, I believe this is their first conference and they may do another dialogue in the future uh, as they go along. And, and, and again, I hope this is, this is helpful feedback because it's not really about, you know, critiquing the event as much as what, what do we learn from it? What do we take away from it? And one of the concerns I always have, Chris, and I have the concern quite honestly for this podcast as well. Um, you know, are we in the church podcast or are we at these different conferences, whether it's the stewardship conference or the Steubenville or, or the religious education conference, are we answering questions that are being asked or not. And, and we were talking a little bit before the show about this. One of the reasons I joined, there's a Catholic youth ministry uh, Facebook page, discussion page, you know, and one of the reasons I joined it is not so much to, to post stuff, although I already did post stuff because that's just who I am, you know, but uh, was to really listen. And, and what was really intriguing to me is, as, as I was really reading these questions, right, in, in the heart of the document that we're talking about, Christ is alive, is to listen, right? Is that when I'm reading these questions, Chris, I was surprised by uh, how many questions are really more about logistics you know how do we how do we do this how do we bunk people together on retreat or what are some creative ideas and and what's really interesting at these conferences it's all these conferences is we'll, we'll get really big picture on folks and provide a really grand vision of what church can be and should be and what our church documents are telling us we should be but but if it's absent 
action, right? If it's absent concrete action steps that make that happen, then that's problematic. And that's one of the things that we certainly encounter at Paris Success Group. And, and we speak at plenty, plenty of conferences, um, but our conferences are not our bread and butter. We get into conferences to expose you know, people to who we are, what we can do as Paris Success Group, which I know is the same with you, Chris, and Marathon Youth Ministry, because we know where the rubber hits the road, though, is back home. Right? Because here's what happens. An individual comes to an event, a large event, and they're by themselves, and maybe there's one other staff member that's with them from their church, and they, they go to all these great uh, workshops and keynotes, and they're getting all these great ideas. But when they, they come back home, they're like, I love these ideas. I'm going to start implementing this stuff right away. But the challenge is that it was just one or two people from the parish. They're all excited. They've had time to really break down what they experienced and try to figure out how to do that. But then they come back to their parish all gung-ho, right, and all excited uh, about what to do. But their, their pastor, their volunteers, their parents weren't at the conference. And they're like, whoa, 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 hold on there. Settle down here. Uh, you're talking a mile a minute here, and uh, we're not ready for this. And what ends up happening is when people come back from conferences in general, uh, they, they, they kind of get stuck again. And what mm -hmm. ends up sometimes happening, it's not true across the board, you know, everybody's different. But I think what ends up happening is we get all these ideas, we hit resistance at home, and then we dismiss the ideas. And then, and then it's back to the status quo. It's back to right. the way things have been. And I think that's a real challenge for all these events. Um, so to, to say that this conference was lofty is, is not any different than any of the other conferences probably that have lofty goals, you know, in terms of trying to, to really change people. But, you know, what, what was missing, Chris? And again, this is, we're not trying to lambast this conference, but we want to kind of break this open here. What was the missing aspect? You already mentioned that there weren't enough people in the trenches, you know, who are doing on the ground parish youth ministry. Like, tell us a little bit more about what you thought was some of the missing elements. Yeah, so I think the main thing was that there were people, um, uh, <clears throat> the, the voices that I mentioned were missing, like the voices of people in the trenches. And that's actually not just on the dialogue, a national dialogue team or a Franciscan. That's on uh, those of us who, you know, want to see change. Um, you know, maybe they could have done a better job marketing it, but those of us who are in parish ministry need to attend, need to attend these things and, and you know, um, be able to call foul if, if we don't see things going the way that, or, or at least educate people on that. So um, definitely um, that, that was one thing that was missing. The second thing is if this is truly a dialogue, there really needed to be more time for group discussion. And I get that logistically, it's easier to have a room, for, like a panelist up on stage and model dialogue that everyone else observes. But if you're asking me to be a participant and not just an attendee, then we need to get really messy, um, which is something Pope Francis says several times and something that even the speakers acknowledge. And we need to just like, I think it would have been appropriate if, um, the cardinals or the bishops have given their, you know, their talk, their reflection, and then they said, okay, let's go break that open and let's talk about that a little bit further at your tables and let's see if there's practical steps on how we can listen better, right? Do we need to have more listening sessions? You know, um, are uh, your volunteers trained to be listeners? You know, like uh, where, where can we listen more? Or, you know, um, what are ways we can create intergenerational ministry? So, you know, just again, going off and having those conversations, that was one, that was the second 
um, component that I would say was missing was really an opportunity to talk further. Um, and, and then third, like, there was no conflict. Um, you know, there was conflict at the table I was at because I created it. Um, <laughs> Shocking. Which, which, I can't, which I can't help myself. Um, in fact, I was talking to uh, a friend who was talking to someone else who was at the table and, and they, were, they asked me, how did it go? And I said, oh, it went great. There was lots of arguing and conflict. It was awesome. And they're like, well, that's what I heard from another person, but they didn't think it was great. I was like, no, no, no. When you have that tension over arguing over an idea over, over what's better, I think that's good. And so like, even on these panels, everyone's like, that's a great idea. Or I'm so glad you mentioned that. Or, um, you know, feel valued. And I wanted someone to say like, no, that's dumb, you know, but uh, in a more pastoral way. But we're too too nice in the church, right? Like even, you know, I'm a little bit of a hypocrite right now because here I am on my podcast with you, John Wright, saying, sharing my grievances where, um, you know, I could have stood up and said, this is a bunch of baloney. Like we need to like really tackle the issues. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, maybe that's something I need to do more in the future. But in these panels, it was all about agreement over the same things and the topics, not that there was much to argue over the topics, but if we had gotten into strategy, if we had gotten into practicum, then you would have seen a lot more conflict and um, it's in conflict that growth comes right intention growth happens and they're just that i would say that was the the third component and the last one that i can think of right now that was that was truly missing yeah and i think that's a really good point because again we're talking dialogue and look we we get passionate about the things in our lives that are important and i would imagine every single person in that room at at steubenville this past week is passionate about the church is passionate about ministry and so there is something to say about the idea of conflict and and the role that conflict has to play in ministry settings and and you're right that that maybe is a, a future more future conversation for us in terms of conflict. I know we've talked a little bit about it before, you know, but how do you have healthy conflicts? But the reality is like what we have here as part of the church is, is probably the most important thing, you know, that, that we could be quote unquote fighting for or conflicting for, right? Because we're talking about faith. We're talking about Christ. We're talking about God. We're talking about something that is, 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 changes and transforms the world and we know because we've seen it and it's happened time and time again over the history and so i I love your your idea it's like oh let's have a civil dialogue about something that's going to transform the world no if it's going to be truly transformative then then we should be willing to kind of get in the ring in a very positive way and and have the conversation have the constructive conversation the conflict to kind of hash this out because it's so important so i think that's a really valuable a valuable thing that quite honestly, you know, I know both of us do in our ministries as well is, is set up some conversations for conflict, right. you know, because we're not all going to be in agreement about how to do this or how to do that. We may all be in agreement that, you know, we, we love the church and Christ is important and being disciples important, but how we do that, right? How we do that. And there's no one right answer, right? There's no, it's not like there's a cookie cutter approach that's going to work in Cockeysville where you're at in Maryland and what's going to work here in Vegas. Right. Uh, and that's the other trap that I think we sometimes get into at conferences is, is cookie cutter approaches that are going to work across the board. And we just know right. that th- that's just not true. What What's happening in Jefferson City, Missouri is very different than what's happening in, say, San Francisco Bay Area, what's happening in Michigan. And I think we just need to recognize that because the church is different in these places. 
Yeah, and there was some acknowledgement to that. Um, and, you know, again, like there, there were some very valuable things um, thrown out there, uh, including Bishop Caggiano. He asked the question the first night, like, or made the statement, we need to redefine success. And then someone in the audience said, like, I agree with that. I would add, we also have to redefine how we do uh, what, what's efficient and, and everything. And, and so there were, there were like little sparks. And I, I really do hope, um, even though this fell flat, I, I really do hope they do another one and that they learn, but they learn from it. And, um, and uh, that anyone who attended, um, you know, shares their feedback and their thoughts. I, I certainly will. This podcast has convicted me of uh, doing that. And, uh, and basically, um, actually, I'll probably be reflecting more on this on, on my next blog post, um, uh, which uh, when this airs, which is August 6th, so August 7th for people, go to marathonyouthministry.com to read more of my thoughts on that. But, um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, the takeaway that I would have and, and how this is applicable to people who are listening is the first thing is, you know, don't be afraid of conflict, right? Don't be afraid to have tough, difficult conversations in, um, you know, in your parish offices with your teams, you don't all have to agree. And Patrick Lencioni talks ad nauseum about this stuff in his books, The Advantage and Five Dysfunctions of the Team, right? You want people who, um, now you don't want fights and melees, but you, you know, you do want um, healthy discussion. And if you're leaving a meeting exhausted because of the conversation, then that's good. Like you don't want to leave, def- you know, depleted, you want to leave exhausted as if everything that was on the table got analyzed and discussed. And, and that's good conversation. So that's one application from it. Um, this, the second one I would say is make sure you have the right people at the, at the table too. You know, like if you're going to change the culture of youth in your parish, do you have young people sitting at the table? Do you have the men and women that you're hiring, that you're charging um, as responsible for the youth and young adult there at the table or are you just theoretically talking about with people that won't disagree with you? You know, I think again, when it comes to really making change where changes do is you need to have tension. You need to have conflict. It has to be messy. Um, uh, and, and lastly, you gotta make sure you have a clear outcome. You know, what do you want to accomplish? Um, and if you don't accomplish that by the end, you have to then look at the process and reexamine the process. Yeah, I think that's very good. I really like that. I do hope they do it again as well. And I'm hoping I can go in the future because basically what what you've told me actually doesn't distract me from the event or detract me from the event and going to the event. What it actually is encouraging me is to go to the event yeah. um, you know, because I think what, what you're describing is potential, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that this is what this particular conference is unique in the way that it is trying to be set up as a dialogue that we don't want just attendees that we want participants. And there's so much room for that. And I think there's a desire for it, Chris, uh, out there in the field to have these types of dialogues, as you mentioned, we're happening in the small group breakouts and as well as mealtimes, which is always the best conversations happen at mealtimes. We always know that, you know? Um, and, And so I think that's really valuable. So so I'm excited uh, for them. I, I think they're on to something, quite honestly. It's the first one, you know, that they've done. Uh, but, but what's very clear is that Pope Francis in Christ is Alive is, is, is hitting onto the imagination of the church. Because I have seen a lot of conversation around this particular document. We've done a podcast episode on this document that mm-hmm. we'll link to as well. We kind of break open the document a little bit. We've had... You know, Paul Jensenbowski and Katie McGrady come on and talk about their experience in Rome and be part of the Synod 
Um, people are talking about the national dialogue. There are a lot of people there. I, I'm doing an event in September. Uh, an entire diocese is, is doing a whole session of their, their priest uh, week away on this particular document. They invited me to come in and do something on that. And so, so I think it's significant. The document is significant because it's the first uh, significant youth ministry document that come out of the church since Renewing the Vision in 1997. I mean, let's right. be honest, right? right. And, and so I think we're onto something. There's some energy, and I think we're just starting to see some of that start to bubble to the surface. I, I'm super excited. Uh, and so, I, again, we'll link to the Voices and Vision uh, uh, website so you can find out a little bit more about the conference. We'll link to that white paper because there's a lot of great articles on there. And and again, I, I look forward to seeing what's going to happen next time. I hope I can go next time because there's a lot of potential. And I think there's a place for this type of dialogue. I, th I actually think the church and church leaders are hungering for this conversation. Yeah. Uh, and having these deep conversations and not just listening where we don't just want talking heads right on the stage, uh, mm -hmm. but we want to engage in the dialogue. And so I think they're onto something. So, so kudos uh, to, to Steubenville, uh, to the USCCB, you know, and all the others that helped make this happen. Obviously this was a, a big undertaking. And, and again, I think there's a lot of excitement and energy and there's always something to learn from it. So, um, and with that said, you know, Chris, you were critiquing some of the things to get better at with this particular event. I hope that we at the church podcast can do the same thing for you as a listener. So if, if you think we're missing the boat or if there are certain things that you really want us to, to get into, email us or get, get a hold of us on social media. You can email us at questions at the church podcast.org don't be afraid to engage in the dialogue you know quite honestly i would love it if someone wrote us and said you know john chris you guys are kind of full of full of it here on this particular topic or that particular topic i'd love for you to go in deeper with it and that's the type of challenge that we want we want that dialogue chris that dialogue you were talking about that you wanted we want that as part of this podcast. So I encourage you to, to reach out to us. You can reach me on social media at John Ronaldo, especially on Twitter and Facebook. We'd love to get in dialogue with you guys about this so that we're actually answering the questions that you have as listeners. Mm -hmm. uh, and the only way that we can do it, well, there's lots of ways, but one important way that we can do that is, is hearing directly from you. So I, I hope that you will reach out to us and connect with us so that we can have these important dialogues and maybe have a little conflict along the way, Chris. We have, we have had conflict before on this show. We, we, we differ on some of our opinions about things. We have. John has made me cry several times. Um, <laughs> we no, just edited it all out. <laughs> or reach out to us on social media like Nick Wagner did uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, or episodes ago for, um, you know, talking about the restored order. You know, just uh, don't be afraid to engage with us in conversation. Let us know what you're learning. <clears throat> because again, our, our mission field is limited to what we know. Um, and, and what you know is, is important and valuable. So yeah, shoot us an email at questions at the church org or go to our website, the church org. Um, John, where, uh, where else can people reach you? Uh, find out everything that we do uh, at parishsuccessgroup.com. All my information's there. Uh, you can find out a little bit more about how we come into parishes and and diocese and, and help them out with strategic and pastoral planning. So you can check us out there, parissuccessgroup.com. 
Cool. And you can find me at marathonyouthministry.com. And uh, again, uh, just uh, any way that you need to connect, uh, you can connect with me through there, or you can connect with both of us on social media. Um, and as John mentioned, uh, don't just uh, shoot us an email, but leave us a review on iTunes. Um, your reviews uh, help us um, improve and, and know what we can and uh, what we can and should do better. Um, and uh, we want to be better so that we can help you guys do ministry better. So uh, John, thanks for uh, allowing me to lament and share about uh, the National Dialogue Voice and Vision Conference. I do hope they have another one. Um, I think it's a value. And my challenge to everyone who's listening to this is to try to be at the next one because, um, you know, our, the the dialogue can only go as deep as uh, the participants who are there and uh, we need you guys to be there um, without um, nothing left to say uh, let's close this thing in prayer Sounds right. good. father son holy spirit amen, amen. heavenly father i want to thank you so much for the leadership we do have in the church um, on an international scale national scale and even local scale lord um, i pray that we have patience um, that we um, also have hope uh, and knowing that you're not only working through them, but you're working through us, you're working through all of us, Lord. Um, and you're giving us the ability to uh, reach uh, a new generation, uh, the next generation, Lord, and, and generations who are thirsty and hungry for you. God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for this conversation. In your name we pray. Amen.